Stand with me for the word this morning, if you don't mind. Do me a favor and help me welcome Pastor Chris and Amy, Pastor Devin and Ingrid, and all the Athens family. Come on, tell them good morning. Wow. It's been an amazing year, and we're thankful for all that the Lord has done. I want you to take your Bible and open it to two places. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 5, and I want you to go to Philippians chapter 2. Matthew chapter 5, Philippians chapter 2. Give you thanks, God. We have much to be thankful for. How many know 1,451 people coming into the kingdom of God is for real a blessing and a miracle? That's the greatest miracle we could ever see, amen? We're thankful for it. I don't know about you, but I always come to these last Sundays of the year and I, I, I find myself wanting to hear what God is saying about where we're going, where we are. I want to hear that. And then I find myself responsible for trying to find where we're going and where we are because you came to hear it and I'm supposed to say it today. I'm supposed to have the word to end the year. And I don't have some deep, profound, prophetic insight as to where we are and where we're going. I'm just going to tell you what the Bible says about who we are. Because some of us sometimes want to know where we're going instead of who we're supposed to be while we're getting there. And I found out that who we are while we're on our way to our prophetic destiny is as important as the destiny itself. Because you and I will never reach our destiny in God until we understand that God is about our becoming as much as he is our arriving at some particular place to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. That's all I ask, to be like him. How many know that old song we used to sing growing up? Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, and then Philippians chapter 2. I want to preach today out of Matthew 5 and Philippians chapter 2. Verse 14, when you got it, say word. I'm going to look at your neighbor say, neighbor. You are going to lose those Christmas pounds in the name of Jesus. Come on, tell them. They're worried about it. I can see it on their faces, but they're going, they're going to get free from it. In Jesus' name. Matthew 5:14. Red letters on white pages. You are the light of the world. A city that is set up on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. But when you light a lamp, you put it on a lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Isn't it interesting you can do something on earth that causes God in heaven to get the glory? I want you to flip over to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And we are going to look at verse 14 there as well. This is going to be a breakthrough word right here for somebody. Do all things without grumbling or arguing. How many know we could close the Bible? I said we could close the Bible, open up the altar, and have breakthrough right here. Do all things without grumbling, complaining, and arguing, watch this, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then, somebody say then, 
then you will shine among them like the stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life Paul said then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain I want to preach on that one little thought right there in verse number 15 then you will shine like the stars in the sky God wants you to shine Help me today, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name to preach your word and help your people to have the grace to receive it. Send the anointing now, I ask in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Like some of you, Devin and I, and the kids got away with my family this week, mom and dad and Mandy and her kids, and particularly Justin, my nephew, who just got back from his boot camp in the Army. We hadn't seen him. Amen. That's right. That's good. It's, we're thankful for all of those who serve in the military in this house, and we praise God for our freedom. So he just got back from boot camp. We haven't seen him in a number of months, and we, we all got together, and we went to Pigeon Forge. And there is this magical place tucked in the hills of Sevier County, in Pigeon Forge called Dollywood. It is the place where cotton candy is king and funnel cakes abound and you can walk through the hills and the forest of the Great Smoky Mountains and you can hear people screaming of all ages as they ride on these roller coasters and these, uh, these rides and they're just having fun. It was music playing and so we got the whole family and we're walking through Dollywood and somewhere in the middle of the afternoon, my mother, my sweet mother, 68-year-old mother, succumbed to grandchildren pressure. Grandchildren pressure. My mother, in my 41 years of living, has never entered a roller coaster to my knowledge. Never. She is far too wise. She's a sage. She has wisdom beyond her years and has never gotten on a roller coaster until her grandkids began to put the pressure on her to ride what looked like a harmless swing. And this particular swing was called the barnstormer. And this swing, as it were, at its apex, it reaches up to 81 feet high in the air and comes crashing down the other side at 60 miles an hour, almost ejecting those who are riding it from their seats. And the first couple of rocks were sublime and mom was happy to be with the grandkids. But as the ride transpired, my mother quit laughing she actually went silent, which I knew was an issue. And I walked over to the ride to get a visual on mom, and her hair <laughs> looked like she had stuck her finger in 220 volts. It was blasted everywhere. She had left the laughing and the hooting and the screaming and had resorted to gritting her teeth in silence. And the ride comes to an end. I have it on video. I almost thought about showing you, but honor your mother and father is a commandment that is attached to promise, and so I thought better of it. And so it'll be something that lives in the Wallace archives forever. But my mama got off that ride and could not walk. Her hair was in the most multi-directional pattern it has ever been in her life. She was weak-kneed and stumbling. My father is sitting on the side, all but divorcing himself from her because he laughed uncontrollably at my mom. We all laughed and had to repent about it later because mom was seduced and deceived into riding what was a, told her a swing, but was really, it was almost the end of her life as we knew it. And so she comes off the ride, and we had, a, we had a load of fun. Lots of people go to Dollywood because of the rides, but a lot of people go to Dollywood because of the lights. When we got off the bus 
and we were going in, one of the workers told our family, there are five million lights in Dollywood this year. And there are five million lights in Dollywood. They're all over the place. And because I know Devin and my kids love to see the lights, one of the things I wanted to find out is when the lights came on because I wanted to know what time do they flip the lights on because we don't want to miss the lights. So I walked up to one of the workers at the amusement park and I said, ma'am, pardon me, can you tell me when the lights come on at Dollywood? She said, oh, sir, the lights stay on all day long, but they don't show up until it gets dark outside. And when she said that to me, it hit me. It was as if God just used that sweet hillbilly lady to give me a download of revelation for this message today. That much of what we've been complaining about this year is not anything other than an opportunity to shine. It doesn't show up until it gets dark. When it gets dark outside, the church begins to shine as she was intended to shine. I've heard a lot of people talk this year about how to get rid of the darkness. We're going to talk a little bit about that today, and I'm probably going to unpack this message more in a series in the, in the first part of next year, because as I begin to dive into this, I recognize quickly that what God was laying on my heart was not just a sermon, but this is something that God has been, I believe, trying to communicate to the body of Christ. That in a season of uncertainty, in a season when there are discouragers and worry, things that cause us to worry and things that cause us to be afraid, the church ought to be a place and a people that produce a different kind of response than the world that does not know Jesus. We are people not of the dark, Paul would tell the church at Thessalonica. We are people of the light. And if we're going to understand this message today, as I began to think about this, the Lord began to speak to me about contrast. Everybody say contrast. We are called stars that are called to shine. Paul tells the church at Philippi, you are called to be like stars in the sky. Uh, the original Greek is like uh, you are called to be illuminaries. This is a beautiful thing. But how many know even though right now the, the sun is shining on the outside, there are stars up in the sky right now. The difference is the stars do not show up because the backdrop on which the stars are setting is bright and blue. But you let the sun go down and the night sky set and all of a sudden, that which was already in the sky begins to be seen and clearly identified. Why? It wasn't that the stars began shining. Don't miss this. It wasn't that the stars began shining when the sun went down. It's that they just showed up when there was a contrast. The background got dark and all of a sudden, what was already there could be seen in definition because it was simply waiting on contrast. And there are some people in the church that I think have been wishing the darkness away rather than understanding the darkness is an opportunity to point people to a different kind of kingdom and to reveal to them that no matter how jacked up this world is, come on over here where the table is spread and the feast of the Lord is going on. We're waiting on something I fear that may never happen. And while we're waiting on darkness to go away, we are ceasing to seize the opportunity to shine and reflect the brilliance of the kingdom of God. We want darkness to disappear. I'm going to tell you something that I found this week, and I found it reading the Bible my whole life. And this may be, some of you are going to say, Pastor, that's the most depressing thing you've ever said. But I'm going to tell you this right here. The only place darkness disappears in the entire Bible is Revelation 22, verse 5. 
It said there will be no more darkness for the sun will be the light of that city. Not the S-U-N, but the S-O-N. Until we come into the new heaven and the new earth, y'all not gonna like this, but I'm gonna preach the Bible to you. There is going to be a kingdom of darkness that we must contend with. There's going to be a manifestation of darkness. There's going to be this this, this atmosphere that is contrary to the life of God and the light of God. You will not get rid of it, but I want you to understand something. It is passing away. John said in 1 John chapter 4 that the world system is passing away and the lust of it is passing away as well. That's why I don't want to live according to the world or the world system. I don't want to be just a citizen of this world because this world and its worldly system is passing away and everything in it is passing away too. That's why people whose only identity comes from what they have in this world, they are miserable and blind people. Because you and I were never simply meant to ascertain and to gain identity from our, from our place and citizenship in this world. According to Colossians chapter 1, we have been translated from this world system, the kingdom of darkness, until, unto the kingdom of his dear son. There is something quantifiably different about the child of God. We are not just known by being American. We are not just known by being Caucasian. We are not just known by being African American. We are not just known by being Latino. Above all of our cultural identity, we are known as a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people who've been brought out of his darkness into his marvelous light. This is not a kingdom of darkness. This is not a kingdom of heaviness. This is not a moment and a time of doom and gloom. Yes, the world and its system are sitting in darkness, but the good news is we have found the light. And I'm nervous. I'm nervous because people who are citizens of the kingdom of light oftentimes behave in ways that reflect dark things more than they reflect the kingdom of light. Are you saying judgment's not coming to America? I'm saying God could judge anything at any time and be righteous in his judgment. Jesus did not come into this world to condemn the world. Where do you find that in the Bible? Read it, John 3, 17. We always quote 3, 16, but keep reading it. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that's where we quit. Read the next verse. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through Jesus might be saved. Will this world suffer judgment? Peter says, yes, it will. It will be baptized in holy fire until it is renovated into a new heaven and a new earth. And the wicked will perish and the ungodly will be cast into the, in, into the, into the place of, of abyss and hell. But until that moment comes, we have good news for all of humanity. And the good news is, as messed up, screwed up, and as lost as you are, you can find eternal life at a place called Calvary through a man named Jesus and the blood that he shed is still holy enough to set your sin sick soul free and give you eternal life. Now if that doesn't make you shout on the last Sunday of the year, I don't know what will make you shout. I'm thankful that the blood of Jesus still works. I'm thankful that Jesus still saves. I'm thankful that there's hope for the hopeless and the hope is in Christ. And that is the good news of the kingdom of God. Darkness isn't going to disappear. You want all the bad stuff all the evil stuff to get, get out of here, I'm, I'm telling you that while I want everyone to be saved, I recognize that there is a world system at work 
that will never be totally eradicated until Jesus returns. And you hear your preacher tell you this morning, Jesus is still returning. And all this, I'm going to get, so here we go. All this crazy theology floating around about he's already come and he'll not come back again. You have not read the same Bible I'm reading. Jesus Christ himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the last trump and the dead in Christ shall rise and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Jesus is coming back. Well, what about the people who say he's not? They have scoffed at the, at the message of his coming from the beginning. And Peter said they will scoff all the way till the end. And they do not know that the delay in the coming of the Lord has nothing to do with him not returning. It is simply the long suffering of God in action, not willing that any man should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Jesus has not come yet for one reason. He wants lost people to be saved. And if we don't preach his coming and if we don't preach the manifest 1,000 year millennial reign of Jesus, we have done a disservice and a theological injustice to the body of Christ. We have created nothing more than a myopic, me-centered religion in which we get all we can while we're living here, not knowing what happens in the afterlife. I want to tell you that after I die, to be absent with this body is to be present with the Lord. And you need to live today like eternity is in view because one day we will take every crown that we earned while walking on this earth and we will cast it at the feet of Jesus and we will worship him forever and give him praise for all that he accomplished through us while we were walking. I feel like preaching today. He's coming back. He is returning and we live we live with eternity in, eternity in view. And while we are passing through this world, the darkness of it does not creep into our soul, but the light in us changes the world around us. If one fact of this message today is that darkness will never completely disappear until Jesus returns, the second fact must be this that although darkness will never completely disappear until Jesus returns, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of God will continue to expand until Jesus comes back to this earth. There will never be a day where the gospel of Jesus Christ is no longer culturally relevant, where it's just another religious thing, it's just another religion, oh no, family, this thing is not about religion. This thing is about the kingdom of God and knowing the God that created the entire universe who sent his son so that we might have eternal life. And Paul says that this walk that we have with Jesus, listen to me carefully, is a contrast. Everyone say it again, contrast. I, I did some study on the modern color theory, this is impressive. And if you want to understand colors and contrasts, you look on the color wheel and the color wheel will reveal to you the two contrasting colors on the color spectrum, the color wheel. And so I, I looked up what is the most contrasting colors on the color wheel in modern color theory, which is actually a thing, by the way. I'm a pretty smart guy. It's a joke, y'all. And the two most contrasting colors are purple and yellow. Watch this. If this is the world and this is the church, then if you put the same kind of activity in the church that's going on in the world and you lay the church on the world, 
There's not a lot of contrast. If, if we act like the world and there's not a lot of contrast between the church and the world, then no wonder people don't want much to do with the church because the church is producing the same kind of thing that the world is producing. So when we look at our role and what is God saying to us at the end of the year, I think the Lord is saying to us, I've given you a pretty dark situation. Why in the world are you trying to blend in with what everybody's running from? I'm not getting no help on Sunday. Why do we act in many ways like the world? Why do we handle situations in many ways like the world? When God called the church simply to be the light and even did us a favor by letting it get so dark that all we got to do is just show up and be who he called us to be live like he called us to live and the contrast in the two kingdoms provide people a real easy choice between choosing what looks like death and what looks like life. There are only, please hear me clearly, there are only two kingdoms to choose from. The kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of God. And they are diametrically opposed. They're not even close. They're in no way similar. Oh, there's a move in our day to make the kingdom of God another little religious movement like all the other religions. But the kingdom of God is so contrastingly different that when people who are walking in the dark see the kingdom of God, the life of the believer alone, the Bible says in the book of Ephesians 5, will expose all the hiddenness of darkness. You know what that means? If you know Jesus and he's in you, when you walk into a room filled with darkness, there is something so diametrically different about your life that it brings conviction and truth and unhiddenness to the room. It's not that you showed up. It's that you showed up and he showed up inside of you and his presence changes the atmosphere. Who am I preaching to? This light isn't about me and you. This isn't me shining. This is about me dying so that he can shine through me. I don't want to die. That's the problem with most modern theology. We keep trying to prop up an old man when Jesus came to bury the old man and raise up. Lord have mercy and raise up a new man in the newness of Christ so that it's not just an old man with a religious band-aid and a religious badge but it's a new me and a new you made new by the power and the person of the Holy Spirit this is a kingdom of contrast and Paul tells us how different it looks. Just open your Bible to Philippians 2. Keep it open. I'll just walk through it real quick and I'm going to be out your way. Number one, two kingdoms and they're contrasted very easily. They're very different. The first place that you will see a contrast between the two kingdoms, between the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of darkness is in the contrast 
of conversation. Verse 14, we don't talk like the world talks. Boy, this is about his holiness. Without arguing, complaining, disputing, we don't take part in unfruitful, unholy, unproductive, ungodly, unloving conversations. What's wrong with the church? When did we get so deputized with authority that we felt like we could spout off how we feel about everything going on in our world from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. From the abundance of the heart, the fingers type. I'm afraid we're losing our shine because we're losing the conviction that we have when we open our mouth instead of keeping it silent unless we're going to the Lord in prayer. Isn't this fascinating? We don't have a problem talking, it's just who we talk to. We don't have a problem talking, it's just what we say when we open up our mouth. And the Lord's been dealing with me about how we talk and what we say because one of the ways that the kingdom of God is revealed is that our speech is different than the speech and the conversation of the world. And I'm not going to get a lot of amens on this because there's a lot of people in sanctified, Holy Ghost-filled churches that believe they have the authority to absolutely dismantle and destroy people, their character, their integrity, their dignity, because they believe something different than what you believe and so we dress them down and we peel them and we do it all in the name of Jesus because I'm standing up for Christ I wish we'd stand with him and not just for him because if you ever stand with him you... it's a contrast so the world gets real dark, pandemic comes, we have a chance to be light. Instead, we go get language like the world, and this has actually become about politics rather than Jesus being able to heal. Bless God, I'm a conservative. I don't believe in mask. Bless God, I'm a liberal. I believe in mask. I don't care what you are or what you believe about mask. When's the last time you told God, Lord, heal everybody in my congregation of COVID because your blood is enough to heal? Do you understand what I'm saying? This is what we do. We get it all confused. We take a page out of the world's book and manage to find something to argue over rather than a kingdom to demonstrate. Now, I want to make sure you understand something. I believe churches ought to be having church. I don't condemn pastors who don't. You've never heard me do that. And I'm not going to accept an edict from the government that tells me we can't come together and worship, period. But this isn't about politics, it's about a kingdom. It's about the king that we serve. We are missing the big picture and our conversation in our mouth has caused us to miss a moment where we could see more people healed. What if Christ Jesus wanted to walk to Erlanger into the COVID ward and heal everybody with COVID on this Sunday morning instead of people arguing over whether we have a mask mandate? Why don't we lift up the Savior and tell him how awesome the kingdom of God is? 
You know you're, you know you're in the word when you're offending everybody. It's a contrast of conversation. Our mouth ought to be different than the world's. Our behavior on social media ought to be different. Not only is it a contrast of conversation, it's a contrast of confidence. Are we going to put our confidence in our own ability or are we going to put our confidence in God? Look at verse 15. Be blameless and harmless. Here's the problem. When you put your confidence in your own strength and ability, you can hurt people. You don't believe me? Read John 18. You want to see a contrast in kingdoms? Here is Jesus standing with his disciples. Up walks Judas with a Roman guard entourage, and the servant of the high priest is standing there with him. Malchus is his name. Peter is watching Jesus. And he sees the Roman guards coming. And Peter does not trust the prophecies that have come from the mouth of our Lord. Jesus has already told the disciples, kill me, but in three days I'll raise this temple up again. Peter says, I can't trust God's purpose and God's plan. So I'm going to take my sword out. Y'all missing what I'm saying. And I'm going to use the sword to try to kill Malchus. Has it ever been this quiet at Redemption to the Nation's Church? <laughs> Peter pulls the sword out and cuts Malchus' ear off with the sword. Now, if you think he was trying to cut Malchus' ear off, it's only because you haven't watched a good Western lately. Peter wasn't trying to cut Malchus' ear off. He was trying to cut Malchus' head off. Because Peter didn't trust Jesus' plan. And when you don't have confidence in Jesus, you try to take matters in your own hands and you become harmful even in your attempt to be righteous. And I wrote down a note that the Lord wanted me to read to you. Religion is the attempt to achieve a righteous end through human strength. Any attempt to bring change and transformation without relying on the person of the Holy Spirit and the power of the cross is a fraudulent activity no matter how much we spiritualize it. This is what we do in the church now. We become harmful. If we're not careful, we'll become harmful in the name of a righteous end. We will pick up the sword like Peter and he cut the ear of Malchus off with the sword. And the problem is that Jesus had to spend more time healing Malchus' ear than he did telling Malchus what kind of purpose he had for his life. How much time are we wasting trying to clean up the cuts the church is inflicting by swinging the sword? I'm not a church basher, and I'm not just preaching to this house I'm warning everybody watching me right now, we will miss a moment of divine opportunity if we think we are called to take this sword and beat people into a place of submission. You will never change America until America's heart is changed. Amen. 
The world indoctrinates, controls, exploits, and lies so that it may gain control and manipulate so that it may advance its agenda. How do we decrease darkness and expand the kingdom of God? I'm going to tell you how you don't do it. You don't become an activist. I'm getting ready to preach right here. But I'm a social prophet. Find that one in Ephesians chapter 4. Prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Yeah, I believe in prophets. But I don't believe you ought to be able to hijack the word of God and use it for your cultural means. Red, yellow, black, and white all come together as one at the foot of Calvary. And to take this precious word and exploit it and the Savior who it is written about in the name of propagating your own platform and your own soapbox is treason in the kingdom of God. Jesus did not come to give you the authority to flex your muscle while you stand on your soapbox and tell us how you feel. Many people would see transformation if they'd stop talking to us about what they want and start dying to their own self so that Christ Jesus and his vision that we all become one that's the vision. I heard the Lord say this to me in prayer. Any ground gained by activism is temporary ground gained at best. How do we change it then, Pastor? You don't do it by becoming an activist, you do it by becoming a soul winner. This is too plain. We spend all of our time getting people stirred up. I'm not talking about in the world. I'm talking about in the church. I began praying two years ago, God, take microphones out of the hands of men and women who are preaching their own kingdom and put it in the hands of people who will preach the kingdom of God. We will never see awakening and revival until we preach and demonstrate the true gospel and the true kingdom of Jesus Christ. You ready? Here's what the world does. The world does this. Not the Bible, the world. You ready? Black, white, Hispanic. Isn't it amazing how the media makes its money on exploiting our differences and our diversity? What does the church do? It joins the party. Black church, white church. I'm getting so many people mad right now. In fact, you're looking for your belongings. I'm watching you get uncomfortable. Lock the doors. Our conversation has become as much like the world. There is no contrast. When the world seeks to exploit us by our differences, the kingdom says, wait a minute. Red and yellow, black and white, rich and poor, Wall Street, Main Street, high rise or hut. You can be a part of the kingdom of God. See, always talk about this because we don't talk about this. We move tribally every Sunday into places that look like us, believe like us, think like us, and we get trapped in groupthink, thinking every other group other than our group is wrong. And we're blind to the kingdom. Because in the kingdom, the message is love. Well, I'm tired of this sappiness. No, you're not. You're tired of Jesus if you're tired of love. The kingdom of God is a contrast from the kingdom of darkness. Brian, help me. I'm through. God gave us a really dark backdrop to operate in. And the purpose 
of our being illuminaries and like stars in the sky is that we point the way to a better kingdom. We don't demonstrate a kingdom like what they, the mess in Washington, D.C. is, that's your goal? I'll read it. You want to change the world, win souls. Because all of us were in darkness. Paul told Ephesians, the, the church at Ephesus and Ephesians, we were all in darkness at one point, but now we are in the light. Why? Because Christ rescued us. Watch this. Some people want to change the world through activism, some through political reformation. We want to put the darkness out politically. We want to put the darkness out with policy. We want to put the darkness out with legislation. All of that is great. Wonderful. But those are inferior methods of transforming the world. Because without spiritual transformation, we have simply put a band-aid on a gaping, bleeding wound in our nation. We all, most of us who are Bible-believing Christians get excited about the thought of overturning Roe versus Wade. And we get excited about it to the point that we go marching and we go picketing. It's easy to post about getting rid of it. It's easy to post about overturning abortion. All of our activism is easy until it means we actually have to have the fruit of the Spirit and love that young lady who is about to go to an abortion clinic. Love her to the point that the love of God coming through us changes her heart and she doesn't want to do what the enemy was trying to tell her she ought to do. It's easy to share articles on Facebook about how horrible abortion is. It's easy, much easier than adopting a baby. The baby that you seem to be screaming about saving, you all of a sudden don't care so much about when it's born. I'm not getting no help, but we're called to shine like stars. It's easy to say, I'm not a racist. Until you take inventory of all your friends and your family. And everybody in your friend group and your family group and your Facebook group is the same color you are. What if kingdom people refuse to allow their light to be put out and just become part of the problem? We're not called to blend in with this world. Terry, you know why I call you brother? Because you're my brother in Christ. Well, y'all can't be brothers. He's African-American and you're white. That's because your mind hasn't been renewed to the point that your citizenship in heaven has transcended your... That's my brother, not because I have the same skin color, but because the blood of Jesus made us one. We're just joining the conversation in America with no prophetic compass to get us out of this mess. You are not called to be darkness. You're caught, you are not called to hate. I believe there are people listening to me in this room and watching me online right now who are so full of animosity and hate and malice. You haven't said it out of your mouth, but you are screaming it in your heart. Jesus did not come just so we could have a feel-good service on Sunday. He came to change us, to not only know, cause us to know that we are loved, but to cause us and help us to love others. This is so crazy on the last Sunday of the year, but my concern for us is that we're getting ready to 
start an exit from a pandemic. And many people want to go back to normal. I want you to check your love inventory today. I want you to check your light inventory. How much are you shining? When's the last time you experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit working your heart in such a way that it caused you to repent when you got so angry, when you encountered someone who believed differently than you? and you treated them with malice and hate in your heart, I tell you, as righteous as you think you are in your hate of them, it is unholy. And I'm, I'm here today to say on the last Sunday of the year, we can't afford to join the darkness when we've been called to be the light. We've come through one of the most tumultuous years, and I mean this even in the body of Christ. Even in this church. There are some people in this room that need to reconcile with other people. There's some people watching me online that need to reconcile with your brother and sister in Christ. You voted differently. You might believe some things differently. I don't understand how everybody thinks or why everybody thinks the way they think. I am tired of the spirit of division having more authority than the promise of unity over our lives if we just walk in love and unity and press through in prayer until we get our hearts right. God would bless. God would restore. God would heal. But when we continue to operate in this division, and I'm not just talking about, I'm talking about the body of Christ at large. We need to get our hearts right before we move into 2021 and we need to lay some offenses down at the cross. You're called to be a light. I'm called to be a light. We are called to be a light. I refuse, stand with me, I refuse. to allow our identity to become inferior to the, to the God-given identity we have as citizens of the kingdom of God. Pastor, are you laying down in the fight for life? Not on your life will I ever lay down to. this week and over the last several weeks I'm coming to an understanding that this is far more than some political battle we need revival we need awakening we need the hearts of men and women to be changed and transformed by the grace of God so that the so that the territory we gain in the spirit is territory kept in the future because we've experienced transformation and not just something we fought in a political battle and lost the kingdom while we won the fight. The world is dark We're called to be children of the light. And when the world sees us and hears us and observes our life, are we shining? Or are we just standing in the dark, doing our thing on Sunday, contributing to the issue of darkness rather than making a difference by simply shining with the love of God. I want to pray for the church today. 
I want to pray for our church and I want to pray for the body of Christ. I want to pray for those who are part of the kingdom of our Lord. That we would not get so caught up in how dark the darkness is that we forget our role and our calling is to shine. How many, how many want to enter 2021 blazing with the light of God's power and love manifesting through your life in every way? Lift your hand if I'm talking to you. How many need to shake off some of the darkness? I'm not saying it got in you. It just tried to get on you. And you want to shake it off? And claim that fresh zeal to advance the kingdom of Jesus in the love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. In 2021, you want to see more souls saved. If the church isn't about souls being saved, are we just really consigned that all lost people are going to go to hell? How many believe Jesus is the Savior? How many want to enter 2021 blazing like a fiery star hanging in the nighttime sky, not waiting on the darkness to leave, but deciding in the midst of the darkness, I'm going to reflect the glory and the goodness of the God that saved me. If that's you, lift your hand right now. If you need to shake off some darkness, lift the other hand right now. This is the moment we're going to shake some darkness off, and we're entering 2021 with a, with a passion to blaze for the cause of Christ and the kingdom of our Lord. We will not just simply blend in, but there's coming a contrast between the children of light. Oh, yes, I must tell you this. Put your hands down. I must tell you this. Do you understand that God knows who are his? Do you understand that God knows who are his? You say, Pastor, what's the point? The point is in the Old Testament, when Israel, who was God's people, were in Egypt, which represents the world, do you understand that the light of God stayed on in Goshen where Israel lived and the rest of the nation was in total darkness? How can God do that? How can God make it shine in Goshen and dark everywhere else? Because when you are children of the light, everyone else around you can be walking around in darkness. But if you'll just stay in the light, he'll keep the light on in Goshen. I don't know how, but I'm only here today to testify. I don't know why things happen to some people, but we're here today to say thank you, Lord, that the light stayed on, that the blessings kept You were good to us this year. Go out and change the world by being the light. Shake the darkness off. Don't be identified with the darkness. You are children of the light. You go love like Jesus would love. Win souls. You want to transform the world? Win souls. You want to turn the world upside down? 1,451 people getting born again is a good start to seeing change come to Chattanooga. Come on, somebody. I want to change laws and legislation, but I'm going to tell you right now, if all we do is change laws and legislation, but hearts don't get changed, our victory will be temporary. Get hearts changed. Hey, Jesus can save every crazy, carnal, corrupt politician. <laughs> what if we started praying for the souls of our leaders that Jesus would save? What if revival broke out in Washington? What if, what if lawmakers started getting saved? You say, I don't know, Brother Wallace. I know a God who can save to the uttermost. Lord, today we shake off the darkness this year has tried to put on us. And we want to just stay in the light. You are the light. Let us stay in the light and may the light of Jesus exude through us everywhere we go.
may we be like shining stars in darkness. And when people see our good works, may they glorify God which is in heaven. 